Welcome back to Full Court Press. We were off last week. We're back now. I'm your host, Liam Griffin. Brayden, Danny Green, who's been around Philadelphia for all of a year, I feel that's important context, just called out your fan base for not being supportive of Ben Simmons. Defend your boy. Look, I've got a lot of respect for Danny Green. He's had a great career, and I think has gotten a bag has gotten bagged on a bit too much recently these past few years with the Lakers and now the Sixers. But like you said, I don't know how you can come to Philadelphia for just a year and then make comments like that. I mean, year after year, it's been, what, four, maybe five years at this point. Philly has cheered Simmons on, and he just hasn't really improved. And I think any rational fan base that actually cares about their team's success wants to see improvement, that just hasn't been there. So I won't blow a gasket this early on. I know we're just getting into it. Let's just say I'm looking forward to what's being done with the Sixers team this offseason. I'll tell you what. I'm not very high on Ben Simmons, but Celtics fans, I mean, we haven't watched him. We haven't watched him like you guys have. But, yeah, like you said, it's going to be an interesting offseason. All right, boys and girls. Today I'm joined by the biggest Philly fanatic you could possibly meet, Mr. Braden Reed. Thank you. You're welcome. Getting into it on today's episode, as I have trouble finding the script, the lightning go back-to-back, sluggers get ready to slug, and my Italian boys prepare to duel with England, but we begin today by breaking down the end of the conference final series since we were off last week. Beginning in the West, Phoenix was able to take advantage of the Kawhi-less Clippers, dispatching them in six games. The fun guy didn't play in the final two games of LA's series with Utah, and missed the entirety of the conference finals may or may not have had a difference. Leonard is now a free agent. So, Brayden, what odds do you give Kawhi to leave L.A.? If so, where do you see him going? I give him a very, very, very small chance of leaving. He has a player option this season. I think he's either, A, going to opt into that or opt out and I think work a long-term deal with L.A. Not many teams are set up to make a play for him, honestly. It felt like when he was leaving the Raptors, a ton of teams were setting up all his cap space to make a run at him. I don't get that feeling. It feels like the league expects him back in L.A. Dallas would be a cool fit. They have the clap, They have the cap room for it. But that Clippers team just had a great season. Like you said, he missed that entire conference final series. I think if he plays, they absolutely win. Uh, yeah, if he doesn't go against the Jazz, I think go down against the Jazz. I think that team makes the finals. He, I think he stays, and I like that as an early favorite coming out of the West next year. Yeah, I believe it or not, I agree with you completely. I know we have our disagreements about our teams on Twitter, but it's funny when you put that aside how we see eye to eye from the get early going. I agree with you completely. And like you said, LA is coming off of a great season, and not only did they make the conference finals, they won the last two games against the top seed Jazz without him. One of those games was at, I'm blanking on the name of the Jazz's arena, but it was in Utah. Then they win game six. And then they take Phoenix to six games, who, more on Phoenix later, is probably going to win the NBA championship. They took them to six. Milwaukee may not even get them to six. Again, more on that later. But like you said, if Kawhi, for some reason, it may or may not be in God's plan, if some godforsaken reason he leaves, then it's either going to be to Dallas or... I remember Jackson came on the podcast a few weeks ago, talked about it, the Miami Heat. It's possible, but at the same time, I'd give that very low odds. So if he leaves, he's going to Dallas, but the odds of that happening are 50 to 1. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also have to give a quick shout-out to Playoff George, uh, Pandemic P. I feel like he wore wore that nickname off. I'm I'm happy for him. 
it's good to see him finally get his recognition because he plays well a lot of the time. And when he, it, people rap on him when he doesn't play well, but I'm glad to see him get his respect when he plays well. Oh yeah. Anyway, he, he was the most scrutinized player entering the season and rightfully so, mind you. I mean, that shot off the backboard game seven against Denver. Bad. Yeah. That bad. was, oh man, that, that was a rough night, but yeah, it's good to see him get the recognition he deserves. He may be the star of the playoffs if it weren't for a guy we're going to talk about in a minute. Definitely. So heading out east, I was not sorry at all to see Milwaukee finish off Atlanta in six. However, the Hawks have already brought a key piece back, despite the season not being over yet. Head coach Nate McMillan signed a four-year deal to remove the interim tag from his title. When he took over this year, Atlanta was just 14-20. and 20. The Hawks finished the season on a 27-11 run made a run all the way to Eastern Conference Finals. So, Liam, do you like the decision to bring McMillan back? Of course. Of course. First of all, I think he got the short end of the stick in Indiana. I think they made a mistake letting him go. You can point to the four first-round exits all you want, but at the same time, you have to understand that the majority of those seasons, after Paul George left, after Oladipo went down with that injury, the majority of the time he was not playing with a true star. As good as DeMontis Sabonis is, He's not as good as Pete Oladipo was. And he, get the, he gets that team to the playoffs four straight years. And unless I'm mistaken, they were at least a five seed or better in all three of those years, except for Paul George's last year. So I think he got at the short end of the stick getting the boot there. And it doesn't surprise me at all that, geez, I don't even know who his name is, just got the boot from Indiana. Now they're bringing in Rick Carlisle. Solid hire. Not as good of a head coach as McMillan. He maximized the core he had, which granted, I saw as an underrated core entering the postseason. I mean, Capella, having been to many Rockets games, I saw what he could do in Houston. He was invaluable to that team. Daryl Morey's a bonehead for letting him go. I know he's your guy, but he's a bonehead for letting him go. Herder, the ginger, the former Maryland star, he balled out. Lou Williams still has some gas left in the tank, as does Gallinari. And then you've got the young star, Trey Young, who... Definitely is not your favorite player at the moment, but at the same time is one of the brightest players in the National Basketball Association for years to come. So, yes, they made the right hire. Yeah, no, I agree. He's at that Hawks team played so well under his leadership. They just fused so well. You mentioned Capella, Capella. him and Troy Young in that pick and roll. Pick and roll. The Sixers had absolutely no idea what to do against it. It made me so frustrated, but you could tell that they're they had a game plan. It was working. So. I hate I hate this statement, but I feel like the Hawks won that series more than the Sixers lost it. I hate it, but it, it's I feel like it's true. McMillan really coached well, outcoached Doc Rivers, which is a problem that needs to be addressed for Philadelphia. But that Hawks team is young and is going to keep getting better. And it was pretty apparent based on their success down the stretch that he was the guy for that job in the future. Yeah, and again, Indiana made a mistake letting him go. As good of a coach as Carlisle is, I think Nate McMillan is better as underrated a coach in my opinion as Lloyd Pierce was Nate McMillan was the better fit and you saw it play out on the court but that's enough talk about the past let's get into the present the Phoenix Suns are up two to nothing in the NBA finals over the Milwaukee Bucks the Suns defended Phoenix Arena yes that is what it's called now by winning games one and two 118-105 and 118-108 respectively the series shifts to Cream City tomorrow night Brayden, do you see venue playing a factor tomorrow night? Yeah, absolutely. Home court advantage always matters, especially in the NBA Finals and especially in a place like Milwaukee. That's a pretty serious basketball town. 
they get into it in those games. And, and Giannis actually mentioned it the other day, Phoenix fans and all the other games he's played away, they started counting down his free throws. Obviously that bothers him. He said it himself. So that's not going to happen on home court, I would hope. But that said, home court advantage only really matters if your team is playing well, which the Bucks just aren't. They're being completely outclassed by Phoenix, and this series could end as soon as Game Four in Milwaukee. Okay, I don't. I real. You do you actually think it's going to be a sweep? It very well could be the way it, Phoenix is playing right now, could, and how Milwaukee cannot find an answer. It could be, but I doubt it. And we've seen the environment that has been at. I think it's called. Deer District up there in Milwaukee, they're packing at least 100,000 fans in that little watch party area every night, maybe even a few hundred, a few thousand more. It is insane. Like you said, this is a big basketball town. I mean, and it's sort of been revitalized since Giannis Antetokounmpo burst onto the scene. I mean, because it had been since, you know, the 70s when Kareem and the Big O were running the show. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, completely revamped i mean i'm happy for i'm happy for them they have a great fan base up there even though they've they gave my celtics a little bit of crap two years ago but i i think that home court is going to propel the bucks to at least one win maybe two but at least one okay i'm trying to think of a relevant example to this i mean like but here's the thing though here's the thing though and this wasn't the angle I was going to go. 2018 and 2019, the Houston Astros go 0-6, 0-7, excuse me, at Minute Maid Park in the 18 ALCS and the 19 World Series. Now, you can say what you want about karma since that was a cheating Astros team, but I think that proves the point that home field, home court, doesn't have the meaning that it used to, but with those raucous fans, it could very well be a difference maker. Yeah, it depends on the atmosphere, and the Bucks will find it eventually on the court, off the court. Those fans obviously will be yelling and screaming, but on the court, they'll find it. I think they'll get a game in Milwaukee, like you said, maybe two. I, Phoenix is playing so well right now, Milwaukee just has very little answer, but Giannis will get hot. Chris Middleton will finally find it, I think, from three. And he'll score 30 in a game, and they'll probably take one in Milwaukee. So maybe not a sweep, maybe a gentleman's sweep, but I can't see this going seven or even six, to be honest with okay. you. Okay. Before we move on, you criticized Milwaukee. Are they, quote-unquote, the dumbest finals team ever? Who said? Did, did someone say that today? I feel like I saw that. Kendrick Perkins. We were texting about it earlier. How can you call them, like, the dumbest finals team ever? That's such – it's such a broad statement. Some of the stuff that KP says, I, I cannot believe it. Yeah. Um, I'm I don't, be, I don't I'm know gonna, how you can call a finals team dumb. I'll be straight. I don't understand how that man still has a job at ESPN. He says the – dumbest things well he, he has a job because of people like us like we're talking about it that's exactly why he still has a job they just go for shock value these days i mean is chris middleton the batman i'll i'll leave it at that is chris middleton the batman someone's got to figure it out on that team anyway transitioning from the hardwood to the ice lightning has struck once again the tampa bay lightning dispatched the montreal canadians in five games winning their second straight stanley cup you might even be able to bring up the word dynasty However, Tampa Bay has been maligned recently because they are nearly $20 million over the salary cap with their playoff payroll. The contracts from Nikita Kucherov and Steven Samkos were not included in that regular season payroll as they didn't play a game up until the playoffs. So, Liam, can you use the word dynasty when talking about this team? And does Gary Bettman have a salary cap problem? One, not yet. Two, 
I mean, as annoying as it is, I mean, they did pl- they. It's not like they broke any rules. As annoying as it is, it's not like they broke any rules. So, dynasty. What is a dynasty? It's my personal definition. This isn't exact. This isn't a worldwide thing. But I define a dynasty as three championships within a five-year period. So they need one more within the next three years if they want to qualify you're, as that. You are you're so spoiled oh. with the Patriots. You have no idea how three how hard three championships in five years is to do. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what. That's why dynasties are so uncommon. I mean, other than the Patriots of our generation who did it twice, you have the Golden State Warriors, the Giants in the early 2010s. Other than that, I can't. I can't think of anything that I would the truly. The Giants only won two, too. No, they, they won. Like they won three. They won a third. The San Francisco Giants won in 2010, oh, 12, and you, 14. You meant New York. My apologies. Oh. You meant the football Giants. Thank God. No, um, thank God. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's a fair point. The Lakers, the Bulls are on the basketball side. Hey, 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 hey! Celtics in the 60s. Sure, if you want to go thank back you. that far. Thank when you. When there were eight teams. Go okay. Ahead. Now, all right. Moving on. So, if they want to fulfill my definition of a dynasty. They need one in the next three years, which is granted doable. It'll be interesting to see how they retool their roster because I don't think Stamkos and Kucherov are missing the entirety of the 2021-22 regular season. And as for the salary cap thing, I mean, yeah, it's annoying. It's frustrating as HE double hockey sticks. But at the same time, I mean, it's not like they broke any rules. I mean, it's it's sketchy for sure, but it's not like... It's not cheating on the level of the Astros. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It, it's a loophole, I think, that needs fixing, I guess would be the best way to describe it. But, again, the Lightning exploiting it doesn't really put them in the wrong. As far as them being a dynasty goes, I, I, it, it pains me to agree with you, but I'm going to. They're right there. They are right there on the cusp of being a, being a dynasty. I was almost tempted to say they are just based on they've been good these last few years but haven't really been able to get over the hump until these last two seasons when they went on to win the cup. But a lot of their core are locked up and on the right side of 30, I think Stamkos and someone else who's like a big part of that team is, is also 30. So that team is still relatively young. They're actually the eighth youngest roster in the league. And now they obviously know what it takes to win. John Cooper has coached them to two Stanley cups. That roster knows what it takes to win. And they're going to just keep getting better at it. Like I said, they're locked up for the foreseeable future with that core. I, it, like who who is going to challenge that team right now? They, they they're winning and they're doing it so efficiently. Okay. It was just, this was this has always been a talented team, but they figured out how to get it done in the playoffs. And who who's going to challenge them at this point? Uh, right now, and it pains me to say it, I could see the Islanders challenging them. They are they are extremely deep. It's unbelievable how deep they are. They play great hockey. They just they, don't have the talent at the top of the Lightning, dude. They're yeah. just going to score more points than you. I mean, the Bruins have the talent at the top of the lightning, do, but their depth is terrible. Their that core isn't getting any younger. Marshawn, Bergey, Krejci's a free agent, yep. so who knows what's going to happen with them? It's going to be it's going to be interesting to say the least. Because after the Warriors won their second title, we saw we saw an, an exodus of player movement, and I wonder if we're going to see something like that this offseason. Jack Eichel is on the market. Does he get moved? PK. I'm just throwing out names here. P.K. Subban is on a declining Predators team. Does he get moved? And it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Definitely. Definitely. But if Tampa is somehow, some way, able to keep their current core as is under the salary cap, it won't be easy to keep them from a three-peat. 
but podcasting with Anchor will still be easy, as it always has been. Heading down the line, we're going to break down some notable rosters that have been announced lately. We'll start with, <coughs> excuse me, Team USA Basketball, Adebayo, Beal, Booker, KD, Jeremy Grant, Draymond, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Dame Dalla, Kevin Love, Middleton, and Tatum in Tokyo. Let's break it down. Any notable omissions, surprises, and who are you looking out for to burst on the scene over in Japan? Yeah, it's tough to talk about omissions and surprises on this roster just because they're not always able to get the 14 best players in the NBA. Guys like LeBron opt out, Curry opt out, but I feel like they did the best they could given their resources. They got a lot of super talented guys to come play for this team. Like I said, some guys don't play for whatever reason, but I don't really feel like they left anybody out. This team has a great balance of offensive firepower and I guess defensive prowess, if you will. Some of the best scorers in the league, some of the best scorers of all time, and guys like KD, Beal, Booker, Lillard, Levine, but also great defensive talents, guys like Bam, Draymond, Holiday, and Chris Middleton. It, it's always so fun seeing this culmination of talent come together on the U.S. Uh, it, again, super teams are becoming more and more prominent, so we're seeing these superstar players team up, but when there's 14 guys on the same court that are so talented at what they do, it's always so awesome to see. Derek White, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Harris, Marcus Smart, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Mason Plumley, Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, and Kemba Walker. Braden, how many players do those does this roster and the roster we just named have in common? A good a good a uh, few. Just Isn't two. Ta- just two. Tatum two? and Middleton. Yeah. This the roster I just read out was the twenty nineteen World Cup basketball roster that absolutely wet the bed. I mean, it was an embarrassment. However, however, this is an upgrade. I mean, you bring in Kevin Durant, arguably the best scorer on the planet. Draymond Green, one of the top-tier defenders in the National Basketball Association. Damian Lillard, who can shoot a three from the logo, with, and you blink and you miss it. Kevin Love, still got something left in the tank, in my opinion. Adebayo, one of the great young stars in the NBA. Booker, probably about to win an NBA championship. I mean, this is a much better team than what was fielded two years ago. As for for what you talked about earlier, it's hard to name omissions here and surprises, but as for who I'm looking out for, a little shout-out to Jeremy Grant, Syracuse basketball alum, Jim Beheim, went out on Twitter, expressed his excitement about that. But, I mean, if they don't win gold, it'll be... Far, far more disappointing than what the 2019 team did. I mean, because that was an abomination. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, some almost all the best players on the planet are from the United States, so we go into those tournaments almost expecting a win. Look, is this team on the level of the Dream Team or the Redeem Team? Absolutely not. Those are just two of the greatest culmination of talents of all time. But this is still a very good basketball team. Again, it's always fun to watch these guys play against, like, this, these small – not irrelevant countries, but these small countries with very little talent. It, it, it's, it, it makes you realize how just great how great these players are. Yeah. Well, well, if Giannis or Luka can carry Greece or Slovenia to a win, all bets are off. That, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, this Monday, baseballs will be flying at Coors Field in Denver during the Home Run Derby. The field includes Shohei Otani, 
Juan Soto, Joey Gallo, Trevor Story, Matt Olson, Trey Mancini, Salvador Perez, and defending champion Pete Alonzo Liam. I see you rubbing your hands. Who's missing that you want to see, and who do you got winning? Oh, I'm excited. They could not have picked a better park to, to field this at. I mean, Colorado, mile high elevation. Baseballs are going to be flying. I'm going to call it right now. We will see at least three. Three. Probably more. At least three balls travel over 500 feet. I mean, the bonus thing is 440. They should increase that because they're playing at such a hitter-friendly ballpark. Now, as for omissions, I mean... You got to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. here and Fernando Tatis Jr. Two young stars that were solid in 19 and 20, but have really broken out this year. Right up there with Otani for the most exciting players in the league right now. I would have liked to have seen them, but I'm it, I'm not surprised that they're not playing. As to who I've got winning, I'm going to go with Joey Gallo. He's beyond hot coming into the Derby. I see you shaking your head. Stay with me. 10 home runs in 10 games. That was the stretch he went on to do that. Just the second player in Texas Rangers history to go on a run like that. He is coming in hot. He, he's not the best contact hitter, but when he connects, they go a long, long way. And those pitchers are pitching for contact. I, It's a combination of pitching coaches, dads even, throwing them the ball. When he connects, they go a long way. And I think Gallo is going to put on a show this Monday night. I'll hear it. I won't agree with it. I don't see any logic picking someone other than Otani. Listen, this guy's been mashing baseballs off of pitchers that are actually trying to strike him out. He's doing it at a record rate. He, what, he just broke the record for home runs by a Japanese-born player, and it's the middle. It's the all-star break. Now we get someone to lob him meatballs right down the middle. I'm going to need to take a second mortgage out of my house, uh, all my house to bet all that I have on, on Otani winning this thing. Second mortgage. That's a beat-the-bookie reference right there. Exactly. But the person in question lost over $50 that week. So, are we about to go over 2 on the second Listen, mortgage? I don't, want to, I don't want to get in the wins and losses to beat the bookie. That, that, <laughs> show, that show struggled this past semester. We're, big things coming in the fall, though. Don't don't bring Tyler Melito on again. Okay, moving on. Now we break down Tuesday's All-Star Game, also in Colorado. Starting with the American League. Starting lineup, infield left to right. It's Devers, Bogart, Semyon, and Vladdy G. In the outfield, it's Teoscar Hernandez, Aaron Judge, and Mike Trout. An injury replacement has not been named. <coughs> Cedric Mullins, sorry. Salvador Perez is the catcher. Otani is the DH. Factoring in these guys' pitchers and the reserves, I know we didn't name everybody, but who got snubbed and which player on this team is most likely to win the M MVP of the game? So I think instead of a snub, I'm going to give you two guys who shouldn't be on the list, and they're both pitchers, and they both play for a team that neither of us can stand. Garrett Cole and Aroldis Chapman both have zero business being on this list. Joe, if, if you're watching this, I apologize, but Cole, Garrett Cole at least has the numbers to somewhat back it up. He's just been lit up since the ban on substances, as has Chapman. But the most confusing part about Chapman is that he isn't even likable. And this is like a majority fan vote for the All-Star game. So how we got into an All-Star game centered around fan voting pitchers, is so beyond Fans me. don't even vote for pitchers. They don't? No. Oh, still, I, I don't get how you can get get a guy like Chapman in there. He's just he's been god awful down like toward, heading up to the All Star break. I, I I won't go I won't go further. But as far as MVP goes, I, sticking with the Yankees, I, I have to give some, I have to give the Yankees some credit. Aaron Judge has been I think underrated this year. That's tough just based on how 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 fast his career started. 
he slowed down a little bit, but he's still hitting the ball extremely well. I don't know exactly. It's high 200s, 280s, I want to say. But he's having a good year. That Yankees team is just so clouded in controversy with guys like Chapman and Cole. Well, the Yankees did win tonight. I will say that. They beat the Astros. They beat the Astros 4 to nothing, which, believe it or not, I was actually hoping happened because I'm more concerned with gaining ground on the Astros right now than gaining ground on the Yankees. But, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, on I want to say it was June 10th, the last Red Sox game I went to, Aroldis Chapman had an ERA of 0.39. Then he led up two home runs to the Minnesota Twins. I think it was Donaldson and Cruz were the ones that hit them. That was the start of a long, long downfall for Aroldis Chapman. Okay, his ERA isn't as isn't quite as bad as I thought it was. I thought it was four seven one. It's four five five right now. So very close. Yeah, I know. And if you want to talk about a guy that should replace him, I know it's biased, but Josh Taylor of the Red Sox, another lefty reliever, he has not given up a run since late April. You heard me, late April. That's a little snubbish in my opinion. As for another guy, I mean, it absolutely kills me to say this since I don't like him as a player or a person really, but Yuli Gurriel, I think he's third in the American League in batting average, did not make the team. It's Matt Olson and Jared Walsh are the first baseman in his place, who granted have been having very good seasons, but I would have liked to see Gurriel on there solely based off of his hitting statistics, as for pitchers, I mean, yeah, Cole has the numbers to back it up. But Chapman, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I just I can't stand Cole's whining. That interview, I don't, I don't get fired up about baseball that often, but that Garrett Cole interview when he was whining about the spider attack and all that stuff got my blood boiling. <laughs> Regardless, though, moving on to my National League in the infield left to right, it goes Arenado, Tatis Jr., Adam Frazier, and Freddie Freeman. The outfield is Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. And Buster Posey, whose bat has been wrecked, whose bat has been resurrected this season, is the catcher. Liam, again, we're talking about these guys, the pitchers and the reserves. Who got snubbed and who do you think could win MVP? Well, who got snubbed? Max Scherzer. I mean, the guy barely has an ERA over two. And you'll get some of the guys that got in with them. Corbin Burns, Darvish. I mean, as good of a season as Darvish is having. Not as good a season as Scherzer's, unless I am mistaken. We'll pull up his stats just to, you know, be safe. And yeah, his ERA is 3.09. Max Scherzer's, even with that abomination of a start the other day in, against San Diego, his ERA sits at 2.66. So I would have liked to have seen Scherzer in over Darvish. I think part of the reason that that is the case is because San Diego is getting beyond an insane amount of hype this year, to say the least. And... As for who's going to win the MVP, give me give me Jesse Winker. I mean, this guy has, I think, multiple three home run games this season. And it may or may not be because the Red Sox and Reds had that little all-star alliance thing that I'm not sure if you're aware of. But this guy's a baller. Give me Jesse Winker. And I omitted my AL MVP. I apologize for that. I'm going to be biased here and say Matt Barnes. I think he locks down an inning, strikes out the side. Yeah. You can be biased with your Phillies here all you want, too. Uh, don't believe me. I will be. Uh, I, I, listen, I think if the All-Star Game broadcast has to make any kind of a apology or a eulogy, then Castellanos is a lock to win the MVP award. This guy finds the worst times to hit home runs. Dude. But 
in all seriousness, I think given the star power this guy holds and some of the show-stopping plays he's able to make, I think Tatis is a pretty good lock for MVP. I don't know if you saw his catch the other night, but the guy literally did a like Mario double jump into the air to yeah, make that yeah, catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he can pull a play like that out of his rear end during the game, he'll nuke a home run, make a play like that, and that's all everyone will be talking about, and he'll get the MVP award. Here's my bias coming out. I think Harper is not making it as a bit of a sham. Can you re- <laughs> can you really sit here and tell me there's eight outfielders in the NL better than Bryce Harper? I don't understand it at all. Okay, okay, let's go through the list. Let's go through the list. Mookie Betts should not be in the All-Star game over. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mookie yeah. not tell me that. Mookie Betts is not having a good season. Also, Brian, who is Brian Reynolds? Okay, let's take a look at his stats. But you can't, you can't defend. Okay, Brian Reynolds is hitting 305 with 15 homers and 48 RBIs. So, not Bryce bad. Not no. he, he plays for the Pirates. That's probably why you went under the radar. That team is terrible. But Schwarber, Soto, I can understand. Taylor's having a career season. But Mookie Vets, I mean, I love the guy, but. He's just not having an all-star season, and that's just the truth yeah, of the matter. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the fan vote coming into play. Is it one of Harper's best seasons? No, but the guy is just so talented. I feel like there's a bit of uh, fatigue there. Okay, time for the history lesson, boys and girls, where we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. Five years ago today, July 10th, Andy Murray of Scotland won his second career Wimbledon title, defeating Milos Raonic in the title match. Unfortunately, injuries have derailed his career since then. He has not won another Grand Slam since. Wimbledon finals this weekend before we get into the next history lesson. Saturday, the ladies final between Ashley Barty and Carolina Pliskova. And and then, I actually don't know who won that second match today. I know Matteo Berrettini won the first one. I put Djokovic in there because I was confident he was going to win. And my confidence confidence was correct. He won in straight sets. So Djokovic and Matteo Berrettini, Sunday. I got Ashley Barty. I got the Joker. I don't know how big of a tennis guy you are, but who you got? I'm no Gil Gross, but I know I know Djokovic's name, so I'm going with him. <laughs> and then 25 years ago today, Monday, or sorry, 25 years ago, Monday, July 12th, after losing his vision in one eye, Kirby Puckett hung up his cleats. The legendary center fielder played 12 years for the Minnesota Twins. Puckett hit 318, hit over 200 home runs, stole over 100 bases, and has a career OPS of 837, made 10 All-Star games, and won two World Series titles in Minnesota. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2001. My birth year. Yeah, your birthday was two months ago, right? Uh, it's close to it. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Hey, mine's just under two months away. 33 years ago. 33 years ago, Wednesday, July 14th, because we have a Phillies fan on here. Phillies great Mike Schmidt had, had hit his 537th home run, moving into seventh place all time. He finished his career with 548 home runs, 16th all time, though... He is behind a few notable steroid users, which I think would have affected it. Schmidt had a career OPS of 908, brought Philadelphia its first World Series title, and is enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And 33 years ago, Friday, July 16th, Olympic sprinter Carl Lewis ran a wind-assisted 100-meter dash at 9.78 seconds. As of June 10th, 2013, only 86 sprinters have broken 10 seconds with an official time. Usain Bolt, of course, holds the world record at 9.58. Dude, like, being a distance runner, it's unfathomable how fast these guys are able to sprint. Like, I'm not a good sprinter. That's why I did distance. And it was just, it's unbelievable. And I'm so happy we're going to get to see the world's fastest runners on display at the Olympics in a few weeks. Show's almost over. We've got some who you got for you. Let's start with some soccer. Today's Copa America final between 
Argentina and Brazil is at 8 o'clock Eastern time this evening on FS1. Who you got? Listen, I played JV soccer in middle school, so I, uh, I'm a soccer expert, and I can't go against everything I hold near and dear to my heart. Messi's my favorite player in the sport. In the admittedly small capacity, I watch it. He's my goat, and if you want to argue Ronaldo or Pele, you can debate a wall. Brazil had to get past who? Purdue. Purdue. Peru of all teams to get to the final. That's a Mickey Mouse finals appearance. Give me Argentina. <laughs> I think that's the first uh, Mickey Mouse we've had on this show, so congratulations to that. For Thank you. And... I mean, yeah, I'm, again, I'm not a big soccer guy, but one thing I know is big stars come out in big games, and Messi's probably still the biggest star on the planet. I wouldn't quite go as far as GOAT. My guy is Pele, but I'm a bit of an old-timer when it comes to GOATs. You should see me talk about basketball GOATs with my boys back in Texas, but I'm riding with Pele. Or, <laughs> oh, man. I'm riding with Messi. A little late on that. Yeah, I know. I'm riding with Messi in Argentina. Good man. In the other big soccer tournament going on, the Euro final between Italy and England is on Sunday at 3 o'clock on ESPN. Liam, who are you rocking with on this one? England barely screeched by Denmark in the semifinals. And again, I'm not the most knowledgeable guy, but I it's clear to me that England did not play their best game in those semis against Denmark. It took Italy penalty kicks to beat Spain. However, the quarter Italian blood in me has me riding with my homeboys. Give me the Italians all the way. I love it. Yeah. As as a soccer expert, uh, Italy and Spain was the one game I watched in its entirety throughout this entire tournament. They didn't didn't possess the ball a ton. It was 70-30 in favor of Spain, but they capitalized on their opportunities. And they're skilled enough to get it done should a game go to penalties. So I've fallen in love with Italy this tournament almost solely based off the memes coming the memes coming from Twitter. It is most certainly not coming home. Cook up the meatballs. Italy is coming out on top. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, our pal Kyle, who was on the show a few weeks ago, was watching the game at a sports bar in Syracuse the other night wearing his England jersey. Well, sorry to say that's going to be a bit of a sad drinking place. On Saturday. It is not Sunday. All right. On the diamond, we can't not talk about Red Sox Phillies with who we have on here. Last night, the Red Sox took advantage of bad Philadelphia pitching. Nothing new there. I mean, opposition player was their best pitcher tonight. Sox won 11 to 5. I will be there this afternoon as Martin Perez battles Matt Moore in the Philly bullpen. Sunday, Nick Pavetta, remember him, faces his old team for the first time. Aaron Nola on the bump for the Phillies. Brayden, how does this play out? Yeah, first of all, it, I cried myself to sleep last night after the abomination that, that was that game. That was so bad. It got off to a good start. The Phillies, I think. Yeah, they were up 3-2 in the second one or two there. in the first. It took like six pitches, and they already had a run cross home plate. I was like, this is going to be great. It did not turn out great. Vinny Velo was not Vinny Velo. But you said two big names on the mound coming into that Sunday game, Pavetta and Nola. And that's who I think it's ultimately going to come down to. Pavetta's having a solid season in his own right, but – for me, I think it's going to come down to Nola's performance. He's been hot and cold this year. Is he going to come out and throw and strike 12 out, or is he going to give up six runs in the first three frames? I think even if he does come out swinging Philly bullpen, I don't even know if they're going to hold up. So it's dicey, but the Phils have been hitting the ball well these past few games. They hit it well in Chicago. I like them in the Sunday game. All right, yeah. Obviously, I'm not going to pick against them when I'm there tomorrow. I'm going to be... Heckling that bullpen all day, that terrible bullpen. It's well-deserved. I, I fully support your heckling. All right, and as for Sunday, 
The last time Nola faced the Red Sox in Philadelphia, May 21st, five innings, seven hits, four earned runs, one walk, struck out nine. Okay, not bad. However, the big X factor here is revenge. You know what Pavetta never did in Philadelphia? Have success. He's enjoying a lot of it in Boston right now. And, you know, that deal at the deadline last year, we sent y'all Workman and Hembry, got back Pavetta and Seabold, who's down for the year. Seabold is. Prospect. Brandon Workman is back on the Boston Red Sox and has an ERA just over three. And Keith Embry, I think, is closing games for the Cincinnati Reds right now. So, by the way, thank you for an absolute fleece job of a deal. Dave Dombrowski must Dave Dombrowski must still be working for the Red Sox after all. And I got the Sox sweep in the series. I think Pavetta fires at least six shutout innings on y'all. He's going to have at least a week of rest. Yeah, no, it could, it could happen. I think I'm hoping and praying that Philly still steal at least one. So Sunday night baseball is not happening this weekend. That Phillies and Red Sox game is going off in the afternoon. So we end with this. Sun's up 2-0, game three, Sunday night at 8 o'clock on ABC. Liam, how does the series ultimately finish up? Sun's in four guy needs to put one more finger up because Sun's in five. Milwaukee wins Sunday. Then Phoenix wins the last two. I think game four will be Tuesday night. Game five will be Thursday night. It's going to be Suns in five. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go four to change it up. I think Suns in four. I know they oh. might, the Bucks might take one in Milwaukee, but we're on the full court press podcast. We need to be bold. Uh, some of these offensive possessions by Phoenix are basketball Dude. nirvana. They, they, Dude. they move the ball so well. That, that possession that was all over ESPN yes. is probably the best ball movement I have ever seen. Yeah, I yeah. went that far. Probably the best ball movement I've ever seen. And I've been watching basketball since I was – I think I watched my first NBA game at a few months before my seventh birthday. So, yeah, I've been watching basketball for over 12 years now. Yeah, so And that's the best that ball movement I've ever to, seen. Credit that chemistry to whoever you want. Monty Williams, Chris Paul, that, that, that whole team has come together so well. They just get the ball to the open guy. They make the extra pass when needed. Aiton's becoming a monster underneath the basket right in front of our eyes, and they have contributions all over the floor. Kills me to see Mikel Bridges doing what he's doing when he could have been a sixer. (laughs) Oh, well. Listen, credit where credit is due to Giannis. He's playing very well on a bad knee, but that Milwaukee team just isn't as cohesive as the Suns. No one's really stepped up as that second and even third option. What's happened to cash money and big money? Who's that? Middleton and Holiday. Did you you not see that video that went viral of Giannis pointing out I think it was Middleton as cash money and Drew Holiday as big money. Listen, it, you can call money whatever you want. They need to step up in a goddamn NBA Finals game. Middleton can get hot. Like, he'll go on a run from three. He'll end up with 30, but he's just not consistent enough. He needs to be giving you 25-plus a game. Drew Holiday is great defensively. He's a nightmare in the half court. But you just need to get – you need more to get by a team like Phoenix. They're rolling. I'm making a bold take. Suns in four. Sweep the finals. All right. We like bold takes. You got to have them. That's what you got to have today in media. Yeah. Well, folks, that is all for today. I am Braden Reed. Liam, thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. Thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm, I'm glad we could agree on some stuff for once. Yeah, I know. Don't, don't say no to coming on soon down the line when we get back in Syracuse. Definitely. I'm Liam Griffin. Thank you again, Braden. And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Full Court Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full CP Podcast. That's F U L L C P Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. You know the drill. Wash your hands, stay healthy, be safe, be positive. Get that shot if you haven't already. It's required for us.
Thanks again for yeah. tuning in. <laughs> I would have gotten it anyway. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week.